Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, April the 5th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we finish up the draft preview series with the defensive backs. We got cornerbacks, safeties, the areas of need, and why Miami needs to remake the position almost entirely outside of a couple of players. Plus, your draft questions via the Locked On Dolphins Twitter mailbag. We'll get into all of that and plenty more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us that five-star rating. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think of the job we're doing. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the draft big board up there for the Miami Dolphins right now. Bunch of content for you guys there as well. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. I think at some point next week, I'll come back on the podcast and give a more live update. As you guys know, recording these podcasts ahead of time, I am currently in Hawaii for the final day of my honeymoon and marriage and the entire vacation. But as things tend to transpire and unfold over the coming weeks. We'll get a live update. I'm trying to get Kevin Dern back on the podcast for an episode to talk about his favorite defensive prospects as there really aren't anybody else. It isn't really anybody else that I trust more than him when it comes to defensive evaluations. We'll get that ironed out and get him on soon, but let's first talk about why this team needs defensive backs and lots of them. You've certainly heard me talk about this if you're a fan of the show, of the blog, or my Twitter timeline, probably all three if you listen to the podcast, but this defense is predicated on the secondary and their skill sets. They need guys that can lock down and man coverage. They need heady safeties that tackle and take good angles, but also somebody with range on the back end. The alignment pre-snap alone will often take care of the running game like we talked about on yesterday's show, while good man coverage is required on that back end until it's third and long, and then they'll just drop everybody into coverage, go eight men in coverage, and force you to throw it short of the sticks, where, once again, they'll come up and rally and tackle. It's a defense that relies on fundamentals and doing your 111th part of your job on the defense, and so... With that and all the money they're pushing back into 2020, I'm pretty sure they're going to lock up Xavier Howard sooner rather than later. And with that money, probably give contracts to guys like X, Laramie Tunzel, Jakeem Grant, and maybe even Kenyon Drake. I guess it depends on how this year goes. That one, I'm not quite as confident. The first three, I am pretty sure will be Dolphins into a second contract. But the point on X is that we've got him and Bobby McCain who we learned last year is strictly a slot corner. But the problem there is that Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the Dolphins' best players already, his best position far and away is in that slot corner position. So they do have a tough decision to make there, though it sounds like he will get, Minka that is, a free safety position tryout this year to see if he can really grasp that. And frankly, I don't doubt that that guy can do anything because he's a tremendous football player and an even more impressive and diligent worker in the preparation aspect of the game. And then you've got a bunch of what-ifs at the cornerback spot. 
I believe Eric Rowe was brought here to buy some time for guys like Cordray Tankersley, Jalen Davis, Cornell Armstrong, Torrey McTire. You have to think one of those guys, you hope, can make themselves into a viable option long-term, even if it's just for depth beyond the starters. But Rowe starts right away, and then you hope for development from those three beyond that on the roster. Rowe can play inside and outside as well. Jalen Davis came on strong at the end of the year. His strength is in the slot. Then we've got the safeties. They need to be able to run and be fast and quick and agile and have range, and so do the corners for what it's worth. Literally, all the Patriots' corners are in that 4-4 range as far as the 40-yard dash goes. The safeties need to be perfect on their pursuit angles, and there needs to be a safety that can regularly match up with a tight end that's split out wide or a receiver in the slot or even a running back that gets out into the passing game. And I think that guy, for my money, is probably Minka Fitzpatrick. And they also need a center fielder in the mold of Deron Harmon, so where does that leave Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald as far as their fit? They just, they don't really fit. I know Rashad is a Ring of Honor player, and he was fun to watch, as fun as anybody on this franchise, but he's 30 years old. He has unreal salary figures over the next couple of years. He's got two bum shoulders that forced him to miss games in each of the last three years, and worst of all, he quit on his team last year. You can blame Matt Burke all you want for that, but that is inexcusable. McDonald, on the other hand, He's just too slow to play in this defense and not good enough in coverage. So we'll start there at safety in the draft since we already went over the list of needs at the position. And for me, it all starts with Mississippi State's Jonathan Abram. Somebody must have messed this guy up as a kid because he plays downright angry and nasty and 100 miles an hour. I've not seen many players that play with his speed, his tenacity, and keep it all in control in terms of their tackling technique. He's phenomenal in that way. He's excellent in the role I described for Minka, that matchup piece, and he's the best run defending safety in this entire draft. I love, love him in the first round, and I don't care if they take him at 13 if they can't find a trade back partner. To me, he's that good. And the next two guys on the list, both guys that I think are in the same vein as Abram, and both probably would be guys you would trade back and select later on in the first round. We'll start with the opposite type of player of Abram. And he is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida, my favorite one besides Abram. He will come down and cover the slot, but he has the range that I think could translate very well into a middle-of-the-field center field safety role because he really excels on the occasions that they do drop him back into man-free coverage and single-high looks. And he's more than adequate as a run defender as well. Then you go to Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. He's got the best ball skills at the position of anybody in this draft, in my opinion. He worked as a cornerback early in his career, and the coverage skills are an example of that. He has the physical mentality and wants to hit everything that moves. Also, there's a great video of him on a kick return where he plows over a guy, stands over him, stares at him, and then takes back off, accelerates, and scores a touchdown. So he definitely can return kicks, play the football, and play deep safety for you too. And real quick on the podcast, going 100 miles an hour here, we're going to take a quick break and come back, finish up the safeties, and then get into the corners and jump right in to the Twitter mailbag after that. All of that next, Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. really talk for hours about these safeties and corners and that's why I gave them their own show because I just love talking about defensive backs let's go ahead and jump right back in 
with Juan Thornhill from Virginia. He really excels in coverage down the field, has the long speed and the explosiveness, and his combine numbers really show that explosiveness on tape. He jumped out of the building in Indianapolis and was the most impressive guy in that regard of the safeties and really the defensive back group in general. Then you've got Deontay Thompson out of Alabama. I really don't think they'll like his game as much because he might not be the quickest processor or the best tackler. Two things they're going to want at the position. And then Maryland's Darnell Savage has the range, but never really put it all together in that area. He's better, at least so far on tape, in the hook zones, robbing those backside crossers and dig routes as well. So look for him in that range. Probably in the, these, these guys, by the way, are mostly round two types of players. And then there's Taylor Rapp, who could be a round one guy out of Washington, but I I don't think he's good enough in coverage. I also don't think Amani Hooker from Iowa is explosive enough, even though both those guys figure to go off the board in round two, round three in that range. Beyond that, you've got guys like Miami's Sheldrick Redwine. I'm sure most of you know who he is. He's a nice player on that back end of the Hurricanes defense. Boston College's Lucas Dennis and Mike Edwards from Kentucky. A few more names I like later on in the draft. And then at cornerback, we talked about this in the open. They want guys that can run, guys that can press, and guys that have good man coverage skills. So with that, there are some round one options. And this entire class is really, they're really long and compressed, and they have the height and the long arms, but they just were not that impressive in the timed speeds. It was unusually low for a crop of cornerbacks, especially these days when everybody's running 4.3s, it seems like, and the safeties which is supposed to be a slower position, actually outran them in the 40-yard dash. But it does start with DeAndre Baker from Georgia, who has been mocked towards the end of the first round in a lot of mock drafts. But I think he's good enough to go 13th overall if the Dolphins were so inclined. Then again, we should probably trade back and do it that way. But he is the best cover corner in the class. He lacks the long speed. That's why he's not thought of as a top 10 pick. He's terrific, absolutely fantastic in man coverage the thing the Dolphins need the most out of the position. He's feisty as hell, and he has that mentality that he can match up with anybody one-on-one, take the point man, redirect, do all the stuff they have to have in this defense. Going down the list, probably the next quarterback on most people's boards is going to be UW's Byron Murphy, though I don't think he plays physically enough, doesn't have the size, and doesn't tackle well enough for the Dolphins to be after him, although he has the long speed, he has the cover corner skills, but they want guys that can tackle, and that's not really his game. Greedy Williams, they'll say the same things about his game, although I'm not as worried about it. I do think there are times where he'll have lapses in concentration or maybe the will to play, but he does talk a big game and he backs it up. He is by far the best ball hawk of this group in this class of cornerbacks in 2019, and he showed that all the time at LSU. Great change of direction, all the stuff the Dolphins look for in terms of shuttle time three-cone time, the things that really elevate a cornerback's ability to change directions. Then you've got a cornerback that probably fits somewhere at the end of round one, maybe the top of round two, and Temple's Rocky Sin, who I absolutely love. You guys have probably heard me talk about him a lot on the podcast. Temple has this thing where they designate jersey numbers one through nine to the nine toughest kids on the team, and they're voted by the players themselves. And Rocky Sin was a four-year graduate transfer from Presbyterian, and they closed down that football program. So he goes up to Temple and becomes a single-digit number wearer for the Temple Owls, something that's a big-time designation for them, a big-time honor because the teammates vote on it, and they thought so highly of him in his first year on the team that they voted him a single-digit number. He plays that same style of physical press. You go back to the Senior Bowl, and he was so impressive covering Debo Samuel all week long down there. I think he's a great option to come out here and play the secondary role opposite Xavier Howard. 
And then we fall more back into that second round range, maybe even the third round range. I do like Justin Lane out of Michigan State University. He can play inside and outside, has the competitive toughness, and will challenge at the top of the route and the catch point as far as getting the ball down the field. He will make sure he's in your face when that happens. I really like David Long out of Michigan. He really popped out at the combine with his testing numbers, and they talked about it on the broadcast about his work on the whiteboard and the way he recognizes route concepts. And if you guys recall, you probably don't, Back to last year's podcast, I loved three safeties in this class. Obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick. Derwin James was my number one player on the entire board. And Jesse Bates. And I love Jesse Bates because one, he was rangy. And two, he was so instinctive in terms of finding out the route combinations. Because I've talked about this too. Football really isn't that difficult once you figure out the basics of the game you can start picking things up easier once you get down the basics of the game and the way he was able to recognize route concepts because you'll have two guys into one side of the formation and they're mostly the same in terms of having them cross or smash or mesh whatever it might be there's concepts that every cornerback should know and Jesse Bates knew that as a safety and David Long out of Michigan is a guy that knows that type of stuff so you can play zone and man because he's long he can press and he has the long speed as well. You go on to another guy that has very impressive long speed, Isaiah Johnson out of Houston, also a very long guy that can play press man cover and bail out into zone as well. And then after that group, there's another drop, and we start talking about late round three, early round four. Some of those guys, Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky, though I don't think he fits the speed profile that they're going to want from these guys. Michael Jackson out of the U, very physical and loves to reroute players early on in the route. And that's a huge part of the scheme. As you watch the Patriots, they are always chipping and rerouting and forcing guys to win at the line of scrimmage before they get into their route. And something the Dolphins just never do. So many free releases off the line of scrimmage. I've been pleading for it for years. Michael Jackson will come in and definitely take care of that on his position. And then there's a bunch of names in the end of the draft. And we'll just go ahead and list them off real quick. I like Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan. I like Hamp Cheevers out of Boston College. What a name, by the way. And I like Jamil Dean from Auburn and Chris Boyd out of Texas. And that is it. We made it through the draft preview. Go back to Tuesday for the quarterbacks. Go back to Wednesday for the rest of the offense. Go back to yesterday on Thursday for the defensive front seven. And then here we have the cornerbacks and the safeties. I talked about it in the tease of the show on the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. But up on LockedOnDolphins.com, we have the entire rundown of these guys on the draft board at LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll also pick up confirmed visits as players come to town or the Dolphins work them out privately whatever it is. We'll have you guys covered on all that stuff on LockedOnDolphins.com. And next, we'll jump into the mailbag. And these questions were asked back on March 17th. So keep that in mind as we cover it next on Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Closing up shop for the week. We are just, what, three weeks now away from the NFL draft, the best time of the year as far as the offseason goes on the football calendar. The end of April, the Dolphins will shape their football team in a way that who really knows what's going to happen as far as going up for the quarterback, which I don't think will happen. I'm rooting for it, but I do not know. Trading back probably seems like the most likely option. But with all that said, let's go ahead and jump into this Twitter mailbag. And I put the call out on the Locked On Dolphins Twitter mailbag on March 17th on my Twitter timeline. 
And you guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter for questions. You respond and get a shout out and the question answered on the podcast here. And we start with a good friend of mine, Corey Ashburn, at Corey Ashburn PFN. And Corey, this question you asked, I already talked about. He wants to know my opinions on Darnell Savage, Juan Thornhill, and Nasir Adderley, Jonathan Abram, and Charles Gardner Johnson. I literally talked about all those guys, so I like all of them, basically, to put it bluntly. The next question here comes from Orlando Apollo's fanatic. He is at Noah's a dork. Noah, change your name already. Our fans are talking a big game about the process, tanking, rebuilding, but what, since you are privy to a lot of the Dolphins' Twitter, how do you really feel that they will react if the Dolphins trade out of the first round entirely? I mean, I don't like to dog on the audience. I think that's a terrible hosting move, and... I think Dolphins fans have their intentions placed in the right spot. But I mean, we've just grown to know this fan base that I think that no matter what happens, there's going to be a section of the fan base that just just go, goes into full-on riot mode pretty much no matter what happens. And I, I don't think they'll like that very much, even though it's probably the best mode to approach this draft with because in that second, third, fourth round range, I think you're going to be able to find starters on the offensive line, starters back in the secondary at safety, at corner, at slot corner. You're going to be able to find starters on the interior and exterior defensive line, contributors in the running game as far as running backs go. I just think there's so many options there. And if the Dolphins can't go up, they should go down and accumulate picks. You go back to the article I wrote back in March talking about getting more bites at the apple and how Chris Greer is basically batting 30% in the draft. So you give him 10 picks. He's going to find you three contributors on the team. That's the idea. That's the mold. That's the philosophy going forward. So do it. But as far as what Dolphins Twitter thinks, it's not going to be exciting and therefore not accepted. Next question here comes from Cody O'Day at Attraction Law 84. How drunk will Chris C at Chris C 561, which is Chris Colon, the host of the Welcome to Perfectville podcast. What's going on, Chris? And what's going on, Cody? How drunk will Chris get during draft day? Furthermore, will he make a video slurring excitedly regarding our selections? Absolutely he will. Chris had one of the all-time great meltdowns when they drafted Larry Tunzel. I think he wanted Miles Jack or I think it was somebody that wasn't on the offensive line, and he was pissed that they went offensive line. He later redacted that, talking about how drunk he was, which was great. If you guys don't listen to Welcome to Perfectville, go back, check them out. They're a fantastic podcast. So Chris, I think he'll be drunk. I think he'll ramble. Hopefully excited this time. Next question here comes from E. He is at at Philaper. I hope that's the right way to say that. Third day gems that Miami should look at. Let's go down the list here. Quarterbacks, I think Tyree Jackson's the best of that bunch. Maybe even Easton Stick out of North Dakota State. Running backs, James Williams out of Washington State is an absolute stud. Out wide at receiver, I love Hunter Renfro from Clemson. I love David Seals from West Virginia. On the offensive line, Nate Davis out of Charlotte, probably the best bet there. Chuma Adoga, the tackle out of USC. I really love his game, though I think he could go day two. In the front seven, I quite like Max Crosby out of Eastern Michigan. He's an edge player at linebacker. I like Bobby Okariki out of Stanford. In the secondary, I don't love the back end of the secondary draft because I love it so much in those first two or three rounds that I think I would just pass and go heavy in that direction. So I hope that's enough names to fit the bill. Next question here comes from Dream is here at Pacific Fin Fan One. Do they cut or trade Quinn after the draft? And this is liable to get me on old takes exposed because I'm recording this podcast a couple weeks ahead of time. But I think they will trade him eventually. I'm not sure if it'll be now, during the draft, after the draft. I expect Miami to move some players and some veteran big-time players during the course of the spring and summer before the season starts as they continue to stockpile draft picks and get Chris Greer in the game, man. That's the idea. That's the plan. That's what Stephen Ross wants to do. So yes, eventually, they will definitely do something with Robert Quinn. 
Next question here comes from Steven Alside. He is at SteveA305, and he asks, what does the team look like with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, and who do the Dolphins draft at quarterback this year to develop behind him? They look more exciting than what Jake Rudock and Luke Falk would have been. Basically, the way I put it is this. You went from being, you know the part in Moneyball where Brad Pitt says there are rich teams, there are poor teams, then there are 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. And the Dolphins at quarterback were the then there's us part below the 50 feet of crap. Well, with Fitzpatrick, they jumped from that spot back into the poor teams portion with the New York Giants and the Washington football team, who, to me, have worse quarterback situations than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think that it just brings you a little bit more excitement. And they probably will win a couple more games as a result, which I know a lot of you don't want to hear that. As far as who the Dolphins draft behind him to develop, I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it this year now because I don't see the reason for it. If you're all in on a quarterback in 2020, they could just bypass it altogether this year, develop Rudolph and Falk, and then go forward into the 2020 draft with Jake Fromm, Tua Tungavailoa, who I don't think will happen. But nonetheless, I think they could bypass it if unless they go up and be aggressive and get Haskins or Kyler Murray, which is a small chance, but a chance nonetheless. We got a question here from Mr. Stubborn at Abduarte underscore one. And Mr. Stubborn, you ask great questions, but I already answered your question about Juan Thornhill and the safeties already earlier in the podcast. So just go back. Next question here comes from Derek Danhauer at Derek with a couple of C's and a couple of K's at the end of that. If we trade back into the mid twenties, would it be wise to use that pick on Jeffrey Simmons or is that too early for you? No, I would absolutely do that. The Dolphins are the team really to me that make the most sense to do that because he's a top five talent. As long as the domestic violence stuff is behind him, which it sounds like it is, and the ACL can recover for a year, which obviously it can, I'd be all for that. 100% yes, go after it. Next question here comes from Daryl Harris at Dolphin D 34 Travis, I say we don't draft a quarterback and pick up Eric Dungy as a UDFA. I bet money he wins the starting job by the end of preseason. Well, that is a bull take, sir, because if he goes UDFA, not many guys have had success going that route, though there are some examples out there. Tony Romo, the most notable. I actually like Eric Dungy a little bit, but there's a reason he would go that far undrafted. It's a good, it's a bold take, that's for sure, but I can't say that I agree, sir. Next question comes from Ryan Norwood at rnorwood6. Now that we have Fitzpatrick under center for 2019, are we guaranteed to take a quarterback round one, start Fitz weeks one through five, and then start rookie the rest of the way a la Baker Mayfield? Look, if they go out and get a quarterback in the first round, unless it's Drew Locke or Daniel Jones, which if it's Daniel Jones, we can just go ahead and walk out into the ocean and call it life. If it's Drew Locke, I would see that being a possibility. But if they go up and they get Haskins or Murray, I would start them day one and not even look back at all. Next question here comes in from James Keough, and I hope I pronounced that right. He is at Ninja Rider Keough. I think that was what I got there too. How many defensive backs do you see us taking in this draft with the Patriot model requiring six defensive backs on the field most of the time? Or sometimes, I should say, rather. Uh, I would say probably at least two, just because they're going to stockpile lots of picks. And right now, they don't have the bodies to run the defense they want to run. And this isn't really just a Patriots thing. I mean, they run it more than anybody else as far as the defensive back or the dime packages on the defensive backside. But this is an NFL thing because there's more receivers and more different packages that require more defensive backs and more speed on the field. So it's a league-wide thing. The Dolphins will just finally catch up to the league-wide thing. 
Okay, that's going to do it for our time on the podcast today. If I did not answer your question, I apologize, but we do the mailbag most every Friday on the show here. And as a reminder, if you guys have a smart speaker or have Bluetooth capability in your car, just tell it to play Locked On Dolphins podcast to pull it up right away. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll see you guys back on Sunday night, Monday morning for another live edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Where the lies live